0: A guest. His name is Jerome Hudson, and he is with Breitbart News. He hails from Jacksonville, Florida. So let me tell you a little bit about Jerome, and then I'm going to invite him into our conversation. Jerome is the entertainment editor with Breitbart News, but prior to working for Breitbart, he worked at the Government Accountability Institute with author, investigative journalist, and political commentator Peter Schweitzer. There, Hudson was heavily involved in uncovering government corruption. Now, in 2013, he began writing for Breitbart, where today Jerome Hudson is the entertainment editor specializing in showing the vast disconnect between Hollywood and the everyday American. His team was written up in the New York Times for its effectiveness. He looks for incongruities and full-blown hypocrisy between what celebrities say and what they do. Jerome Hudson's most recent book, 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know About Trump, chronicles what the establishment media withheld from the public about President Trump's first term, his accomplishments. Hudson's first book, 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know, is the publisher's weekly and USA Today bestseller that the New York Times refused to include on its book rankings, thus making Jerome Hudson's point that the book is full of facts and analysis, the establishment press do not want you to know. It reached number five on amazon.com. He is a member of the Project 21 Black Leadership Network, serving on the organization's National Advisory Council. He participated in Candace Owens' 2019 premier Blexit event, where he gave a rousing speech. Now, let's meet Jerome Hudson. Here we go. Jerome Hudson, welcome to the Adrian Ross Show. I appreciate you taking your time.
1: Uh, It's long overdue.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of that, you know, you were on a show I was doing with me Mm -hmm. eight years ago. I cannot believe it's been eight years, but I was doing blog talk radio. right? in a while. I don't even know if that still exists, but it was like everyone was doing block talk radio. (laughs) And, um, and I had a show and it was the third, it was approaching the 30th anniversary of, uh, Martin Luther King day, you know, becoming a holiday and you and I talked for a while, similar maybe to what we're going to be talking about today, but then we wanted to sort of assess Okay, this is 30 years later. We obviously all know that Dr. King had a dream. Where are we in terms of accomplishing that dream? That was our conversation then. Right. What I want to talk about today is is a narrower focus, really. And I want to look into race relations within conservatism, Mm -hmm within, uh, I guess I will say the Republican party, although I identify more as, I don't identify as a Republican, I identify as a conservative, but there's some stuff going on. I don't know how entrenched you are in it, but there is some stuff going on in the, in conservatism that that has me somewhat concerned, okay? So I thought about you and I wanted to have this conversation with you. I, I think you should be able to offer some insight, so I've spent the past two weeks dealing with some of this. Mm -hmm. I did an episode called Dear White Conservatives with the Platform. Yeah. And I I jumped into some stuff with Charlie Kirk, with Matt Walsh, and uh, that got me some interesting response on YouTube. Some positive, some, you know, some people wanting to put me in my place, I guess and uh and then after uh last episode i spoke with the two co-founders of Acons, african-american conservatives yeah and we uh jumped into some stuff and then i was on uh their show which i guess should be coming out soon but let's talk a little bit about your background first of all sure are you always how do you identify yourself you heard me say i don't identify as a republican necessarily. How do you identify yourself? Were you always politically involved? And if not, how did this come to be?
1: No, um, born and raised in Savannah, two lovely parents. My father was in the army, retired. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my mom went to night school to get her high school diploma. They're both from Miami. Um, And we didn't really talk about politics in the house. Um, And, you know, we were... Missionary Baptist um, church every Sunday. I try to avoid it, but Bible study most Wednesdays. And, you know, Denzel Washington walked on water. Yeah. Um, You know, I had a great middle class upbringing um, in Savannah, Georgia. And You know, I graduated high school in 2004, moved to Tallahassee, marched in the Marching 100 at FAMU for a few years, and sort of matriculated through college, not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life professionally. And I went to Bainbridge, Georgia, and I took a speech communications class taught by our colleague, Wenton Hall, and he sort of became, you know, professor, then mentor, and, you know that was the moment for me that my philosophical light switch flipped and it was Winton sort of turning me on to Thomas Sowell and Milton Friedman and you know Angela McLean she's not very politically active but her book bamboozled yes um, you know the hidden history of the democratic party um was was kind of life-changing for me um you know I from, you know, Winton's been involved with Young America's Foundation for years. And I went to my first YAF conference in the fall of 2009. That, Adrian, for me, was the first time that, you know, I sort of had this philosophical awakening. Um, you know, you're born Black, you're born a Democrat. And, right. and again, like, I mean, it was just like Jesus' first, second, and third in my household. It really wasn't about politics, but from... You know, I would say the time I got to my college campus in 2004, Mm -hmm. um, it it was pretty obvious, you know, because this was around just after the election of Obama. Mm -hmm. And, you know,
2: Mm.
1: (laughs) politics was very palpable, if you will, throughout culture. Um, And so by the time I went to my first YAF conference, I'm surrounded by hundreds of like-minded young individuals who happen to be conservative you know I had already had an article published nationally um Glenn Beck put put it on his website the life of a young black conservative Mm. and that, that gave me a lot of notoriety um I mean I received like thousands of messages on Facebook from people that I'll never know and never meet thanking me um, for, you know, sort of telling the truth about the race hustle that has existed in this country for decades. Um, and I guess the rest is history. You know, I, I, in 2012, Peter Schweitzer founded his Government Accountability Institute. I was blessed to be one of the first researchers at GAI, um, which is still kicking ass. And, you know, I started writing my first I went back years ago and I was like, when was my first article published at Breitbart? It was February 2013. Um, I wrote something stupid, probably. I don't even remember what it was. (laughs) But um, no, I I I had my dad was very strict. You know, he was an army um, drill instructor. And so um his proverbial foot was always just an inch away from our behinds if we ever acted out and so he inculcated as as did my mom like the the meaning of hard work and no excuses and you know second place not being good enough to karate for almost a decade um i was never a virtuoso saxophone player but, you know, I worked hard because of the values that my parents instilled in me. And so when I got to campus and I, I realized that, you know, in order to be socially accepted, if you will, um, you better basically side with the left, the liberal agenda, the Democratic Party. And, you know, I, I was never really that big on conformity anyway. Um, I kind of like going against the grain, and so conservatism, particularly when I learned the history of the Democratic Party around 2009, um, I was very turned off. And in fact, I mean, reading some of the true history of the Democratic Party, I I I never forget feeling robbed. I often tell this story when I. when I speak to Young America's Foundation crowds, because these are young people, generally they've been turned on to politics way before I did when yeah. I was their age. And I just remember being 21, had already gone through you know, K through 12, couple of years of college, and it was a professor at a school that I never even thought I'd go to giving me books with information that I' had never seen in 14 years of you know pretty solid education in public school in Chatham County in Georgia. But um, you know, I think I think today, as you know a two-time published author, uh, sometimes fill in radio host on Breitbart's Sirius XM programs, I don't know. I've given like a hundred speeches across the country. I've probably written thousands of ridiculous articles. Um, and countless conversations. You know what I mean? I think most people just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to run their business, build their business, mm-hmm. you know, raise their families, right. just live life. Mm-hmm. And that is antithetical. To the the leftist agenda in America, I mean, yeah. the, the you talked about you know our conversation almost a decade ago and that mountaintop that Martin Luther King Jr. talked about. I think I think we've been closer to the top of that mountain mm-hmm. for longer than the left ever wants us to realize. Right. Um, for a long time, uh, most Americans have had way more in common than we then we don't. Um, I think you can look at census data dating back decades, um, the amount of interracial marriages and households, the the exponential growth in that. I think in 92, Pew asked thousands of Americans in a survey and like 92% of them said they would support a Black president. I know that's different from actually voting for one, but you know, it was... (laughs) It was like almost 20 years before Obama was the nominee. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, once I realized that, you know, the, that that I had been bamboozled, that this huge lie had been perpetrated not only on me, but on so many people like me, mm-hmm. you know, 15, 20 years ago, I wanted, I didn't necessarily like dedicate my life, um, right. you know, <laughs> to to conservatism, um, but certainly I just, I think, I think, I just thought more people should know that if, if there wasn't a democratic party, um, that much of this, you know, the racism that is talked about and studied and debated, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and legislated wouldn't even exist in America Mm -hmm. very likely. Um, and it's very easy to to do that at Breitbart as an editor. Um, mm-hmm. to speak to speak actual truth to to the left wing power base, which has monopolies and academia and media right. and entertainment. Absolutely. Yeah. Well
0: let, let me ask you this though, because I wanna know I, I have some notes here, but you know, they can go out the window because you know, <laughs> you, you can roll with me. So yes. I wanna know what makes you different. In conservatism or in the Republican Party, however we want to refer, on the right, yeah, how are you? You're you're speaking. You're out there. You mentioned YAF, all yeah. that. What makes you different from a vast number of other black men, yeah, or black women, even, sure, so that you are in this place of embracing conservatism and the values thereof. That many others are not, and we know that that's the case.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I, my my dad's mom had, um, you know, like twelve kids. Mm-hmm. Point is, like the family's big, right? Mm-hmm. And there are a few of us who are openly, you know, conservative. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of like you. Like, I'm a registered Republican here in Duval County, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I just. You know, I'll show up to the debates, or I'll watch them on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, I really pay attention to what people say, particularly if they don't really have a record of actually doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't really care about political parties because at the end of the day, like I said, I mean, it, people just want to be able to send their kid to the best school, you know, regardless of where their zip code is, mm-hmm. Um And that's not really like a political issue, as in 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 so much as it's just like I love my kid and I want my kid to have the best education possible. Um, But you know, I personally, whenever Young America's Foundation calls, I will be on a stage or on a panel, because you know, the left, like I said, I mean, academia is just it's a stranglehold. I mean they've turned once great universities and college campuses into intellectual meat grinders. It's absolutely embarrassing when you have the heads of the most prestigious universities in the world, let alone the country, not being able to actually denounce pure evil and anti-Semitism. And so these young conservative student activists are up against the gun every day, the intimidation, the ostracization. So I just show up and I tell them, be proud, you know, believe in God, believe in yourself, rise up and speak the truth to these assholes. Mm -hmm. I mean, these people don't realize how good they have it in this country. And oftentimes, you know, you kind of, you know, you got to feel sorry for them. Um, because that 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 social validation comes so easily when you just go along with the liberal agenda, um, but it's wrong, man. Like people work hard for their money and they should keep as much as of it as possible. It shouldn't go to or be confiscated by an IRS that no. disproportionately audits Black Americans as opposed to their their white or Indian or Hispanic counterparts the same IRS that routinely loses personal information, and yet they want to hire a million more auditors so they can do what? Mm -hmm. Siphon our money to spend it on crazy-ass monkey experiments? Anyway, uh, so I show up for Young America's Foundation to advance the conservative cause on college campuses. I show up to friends. I spoke uh, recently at the uh, Charleston County... It was it wasn't the Charleston County Republican Party in South in, in um, South Carolina. It was like a, a group that was raising money to go to get out the vote efforts, day of voting, training, um and, and like because that's important, right? Like the, the day of voting, you know, calling out BS mm-hmm. and intimidation at, at, at polling. And so I know the people involved. I trust them. I trust that the money is gonna go where they say that it's gonna go for getting out the vote. Um, and, you know, it's very easy to wake up in, in the morning and work at Breitbart. Um, I often say I work among salt of the earth people, just incredibly talented and brilliant. Um, and, you know, you know, locally I'm involved. Uh, I try not to. I try not to. Be, yeah, I try no, not to be that involved with with the local party, just because I I I I just ease my way in. You know, I'll show up here there, um, but I I've been recruited before mm-hmm. for local office, and I I should not be sworn in. No, to I, hear you. Listen, I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear, um, what
0: I, what, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I want to know. I hope
1: I answered your question.
0: I want I want to go into the nitty gritty of all of that, all yeah. the values, all the principles, even all you're doing, work at Breitbart, all that. How does that impact, or maybe you don't think it, it's necessary. Yeah. How does that impact, let's say, Black America
1: mm-hmm.
0: in terms of being open? to what you obviously feel like is worth being open to, meaning conservatism, uh, as opposed to the Democrat Party. So where are we in terms of that? I am a member of Guardians of Liberty in Southeast Missouri, and I'm inviting you to come to a meeting. We meet every Tuesday at five o'clock p.m. at Delmonico's in Jackson. On February 20th, there will be a free showing of Let My People Go, a documentary by Professor David Clements. Free the J6 prisoners, end rigged elections. Let My People Go. And on February 27th, the topic is Israel or Palestine. Usama Dakdak, a Muslim evangelism specialist, will be at the meeting. Delmonico's 5 o'clock p.m., in jackson are you still tied to google and safari have you not yet tried the Luxel search engine you got to give it a try why because among other things you get uncensored results you get an unbiased search engine and you even get to filter your options based on your political preferences a lot of people i know are gravitating to Luxel. you need to check it out also that's l-u-x-x-l-e Everyone wants to take their automobile somewhere they can trust. That's DL Transmissions. DL Transmissions was recently recognized and featured in the Transmission Digest magazine, a worldwide publication for transmission repair shops. You can check out their article at www.transmissiondigest.com. Then look under Magazine Archives and choose July 2023. DL Transmissions specializes in customers, custom-built heavy-duty and high-performance applications as well as remanufacturing and transmission repair. Call them at 573-334-8726.
1: No, I mean, when I show up on a a YAF stage, I mean, I don't pull any punches. I mean, just a week ago, um, yesterday, I was in Orlando, about 400 conservative student activists. You know, Mm -hmm. I I talked about the history of the Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. a history that the Democratic Party hides from its own national website. Go to their website, Mm -hmm. get past the whole donate to us crap, go to the about me and then go to their history. The history starts in 1920. Mm -hmm. That evil ass party was started in 1820. They've, they're hiding a hundred years of of racial brutality and Mm -hmm. barbarism that, you know, I'd be embarrassed of too. And it's not just the history. It's the same party that has always literally stood in school doorways to keep black kids out of, they're still doing it. There's no shortage of liberal Democrats standing in the way of school choice yeah. uh, and on and on and on. And so I stand on that stage. And to be honest with you, I mean, most of the faces that I look at, those, those beautiful young little activist conservative faces, they're not black. A lot are, but most aren't. And I think that's important. I think that regardless of how you look, if you agree with the values of conservatism, then you should be able to openly speak to any community about those values. Right. Um, right. You know, I I show up at at, at a at a a fundraising meeting mm-hmm. for a conservative organization. Oftentimes most of the audience is white. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but there are other opportunities in which just here locally, you know, speaking with Black conservatives, Black Mm -hmm. Republicans, um, I think, I think, I I like to, 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 to have those conversations and to start those conversations locally, um, because a lot of politics truly is locally, although the federal government, they've lost their whole damn minds, um, (laughs) Um, I, I see a lot of what, you know, other um, conservatives, black and white, who have large platforms do. Um, But, I mean, my, my approach is, it's past time um, Mm -hmm. to get past the BS. I -hmm. mean, the left would like us, the Democratic Party would like us to continue to debate the largely time-wasting and energy-wasting argument over racism uh, in America. Problems that do plague Black Americans don't have anything to do with racism, not at this point, because if we had more fathers, not just in the home, but contributing financially, raising up the value spiritually in the home, a lot of those problems would be solved. And you can say the same thing about any racial demographic, um, mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, um I well, I I I like I'd like to say I'm making at least a small positive impact yeah. in that way.
0: Well, one of the things that I wanna get into is the issue of race and the division that I'm seeing now within the Republican party. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I took on a couple weeks ago or so was uh, uh, Charlie Kirk's um, war on Martin Luther King. Sure. So uh, he feels that it's his place, I guess, it was his place for Martin Luther King holiday. To um to really denigrate Dr. King because somehow sure. he thinks that whatever he shares about Dr. King's past is going to be effective.
2: Sure.
0: And uh, and it's the, you know, it's the truth that he knows. And so he wants to share that. Matt Walsh came along as well, but Matt Walsh, his mindset seemed to be that of revenge. Um, his tweet was about, you know, you guys come after our statutes, you come at our statues, you come after our heroes. Yeah. And so, you know, basically what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And so we're going to play by the same rules. So now we're going to come after him. Yeah. So that has created some tension. And then came along Black History Month. And as usual, you have voices coming out, uh, you know, coming out against Black History Month. And I've shared, I've had, a, you know, as a, I was a teacher for nearly 20 years, yeah. I've gone through the roller coaster of, of that whole thing. Okay sure. I've gone through the roller coaster of Martin Luther King etc. Yeah. These are people with the platform who say they want the Republican Party to be a wide tent sure and yet I'm hearing a lot now of okay let's take down Martin Luther King um you get you get your Michael Knowles from the Daily Wire who's saying thing you know he starts a monologue with black history month means nothing to anybody
1: mm-hmm. and it's and very then a, Morgan Freeman of him.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Morgan Freeman. Of course, they they like to pull out the Morgan Freeman quote and all that. But it's been a very, um, it's been a it's been a very obvious anti-Martin Luther King, anti-Black History Month. And then, of course, the Super Bowl came, and I'll get to that in a moment. With you know, lift every voice and sing. So I want to ask you, where do you stand? I, I already said we we spoke at length about Martin Luther King before. Yeah. But I want to know where you stand with Martin Luther King Day, where you yeah. stand with Black History Month, and what you would say to conservatives who somehow feel that it is their it is their purpose in life to kind of eradicate these things because according to them, we should be colorblind. Or that we should embrace the truth as in what Martin Luther King stood for, they said. Yeah,
1: I it's um I don't really want to imagine an America in where uh well first of all, Daddy King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s father existed, or one where his son, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. existed. Um, because I mean, again, like You know, (laughs) the Democrats fought a war so they could hold on to their slaves. Thankfully, they lost that war, um, but it didn't stop there. I mean, they spent the next 100 plus years trying to keep people who look like us on a virtual plantation. Um, You know, Carter G. Woodson and starting Black History Week, Mm -hmm. I mean, like like many things almost 100 years ago, um, people wanted to have recognition and pride like like in the things that happened that involved the the accomplishments, whether they were educationally, it, uh, you know, uh, advancements, economics, business inventions that that people who happened to be black contributed to the, the fabric of this country. Um, while, you know, it was, it was, it was Still relatively young and and had fought a great war um to to solve and an, an egregious um indignity and you know it was always prideful i know you've you've alluded to it twice but the the hymnal uh that is lift every voice i mean you know written in honor of you know, a great president. And it wasn't, it, it, there was just no wokeness. Right. And this is my point. Like, you know, I, I, I've I, seen the Charlie Kirk stuff, not really the Michael Knows and, and, and to a lesser degree, the Matt Wall stuff. Um, like the, the, the discourse in this country politically is just so dumbed down. So much of it is so asinine. Um, mm-hmm. We spend so much time having the wrong conversations at all. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when the overwhelming majority of our energy should be in kicking Democrats out of office, um, it is sad to see that some people are training their fire on, um, you know, true heroes of, of human rights and civil rights was Reverend Dr. Martin Luther
0: King being one of those
1: was Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Perfect. No. But neither of the of the of the people criticizing him today are. I mean, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, it is it is about by and large what these individuals were able to do and why they did it, and the absolute racial barbarism that they did it through. Um, I I just I don't like I don't it, I I can't really criticize um you know the, the 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 people i mean they have legacies um yeah. you know but but it, look I, I i haven't like i said i haven't listened to all the rants um but you know i just i just rather focus on fixing the the historic lies and the evil spells that the left has cast on people. Like, if you're going to rant about Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, that's fine. But also in the fact that if it were not for him heading up the civil rights movement, then that virulent racist and Lyndon Johnson wouldn't have even signed the 64 and 65 civil rights Act. In, into law, like I mean, like what are we doing?
0: <laughs> I mean, uh,
1: well,
0: I I'll tell you now, I mean, I'm not a big Twitter X person, yeah. but I have, uh, I have gone and I, I mean, I, there's an ongoing. There are people. There were some positive. It's a
1: whole universe. It's an entire it is- ecosystem in which people establish identities, build platforms. And so much of it is performative. Like what in the hell are you doing really to advance the cause for freedom? I mean, a lot right. of
0: it well, some,
1: some of it is beneficial. I mean, you got to be out there, people see you. Right. We right. get turned on to new ideas and arguments, but
0: Yeah. Well, there's some um, I mean, some voices like Sonny Johnson, um, and 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 and, and Dr. Daryl, Dr. Pastor Daryl Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Who I guess was a a, a Trump advisor is. Yeah. Trump has called him his his own pastor. I believe he's a part of Black Voices for Trump. And he is constantly, several times a day, going at Charlie Kirk, going at him. And um I, I just I guess my my struggle they're,
1: they're all they're all gonna vote for this for the same Donald Trump in about well, seven months.
0: Okay, but here's the thing that that some people are saying.
1: What are we doing? Some
0: some black people on the right are saying. Yeah. The tactics of people who are denigrating Dr. King or just out of nowhere coming out with a there, you know, a tweet. There should be no Black History Month, and Black History Month doesn't mean anybody anything, and all my Black friends think it's stupid, and all these things that I'm hearing. There are people, and I'm one of them who wonders will this impact the black vote for trump because people do believe that and and i've seen some i've i've seen i've heard some comments from black people who yeah. are looking in that direction whereas they would not have looked before sure <laughs> you know and are we are they shooting sure. themselves in the foot because if i hear you say Oh, Dr. King is horrible. Oh, Black History Month is stupid. Oh, um, you know, I mean, everybody's a DEI hire. Everybody I don't agree with was a DEI hire. And I'm like, I know DEI is controversial. I yeah. believe in merit as well. But not every Black person who did something wrong is a DEI hire.
1: Uh, there lies this? the rub. Um,
0: so my question to you is,
1: yeah.
0: what's the message? I mean, I think conservatives have a great message, but their messaging is horrible.
1: No, and I think I think, in this case, when it comes to you know your question, does this have the potential to negatively impact black people supporting Donald Trump? I think that Donald Trump, because he has his own gravity mm-hmm. he is so massive, he is, in many ways, at least to me, confounding in the sense that i i i don't know really if there's at least i mean there'd have to be just a handful of american political figures who've wanted to build this country for the better more than he has while taking as many slings and arrows as he has like i like, I just, people often say, well, he doesn't have to do it. He doesn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. yet, the man continues to fight. And I do think that that in and of itself has become in the last several months with, um, you know, between Letitia James in New York, Alvin Bragg, also in New York, Bonnie Willis in Georgia, Jack Smith. I mean, the left, Adrian build and constructed this amazing uh, conversation around where black people have always fit into the justice system. And the answer being it's, it's, it's by and large, historically been unfair for us. And I think in in the mind of also a lot of those black people who, who would who would agree with that sentiment, see Donald Trump and remember his presidency being beneficial to them time and time again, the black-white wealth gap shrinking for the first time in 30 years. Uh, I think it's chapter 17 in, in my book, 50 Things They Don't Want You To Know About Trump. In 2018 and 19, black women representing the largest share of new business owners, two years in a row. Donald Trump packing the Oval Office with a hundred black presidents and provosts of universities and historically Black colleges to sign a 10-year funding package had never been done, even though his predecessor was a Black president. I think Black people remember the good times economically, especially that they had under Trump, see him being attacked, and see him now like, like beating Biden in every swing state and it almost becoming a fait accompli that Donald Trump will be sworn in president again. I think that I think that largely exists way beyond the sometimes awfully ridiculous conversations that that otherwise would probably bleed into and negatively affect any other candidate. I just think that Donald Trump is is just his. It's it's just he's just he's just, he's just an entity that I think. Just kind yeah, of blow well, past that. Now, what's happening over here? The criticizing of right. Black History Month, Martin Luther King Jr., the 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 ankle biting of white conservatives with large platforms fighting publicly right. or on social media with other black confidants of Trump. It that doesn't help, and no. <laughs> you you don't really see that sort of. Um, uh, Uh, lack of unity, if you will, on the left. No, you don't. Right. Yeah. We don't have monopolies in big tech. We don't have a monopoly in the media. We don't have a monopoly in academia or in entertainment. The left does. And the left also seemingly has more billionaires who will spend more money to pump their destructive message. Mm-hmm. And and to fund campaigns of people who will ultimately try to just expand power of the Democratic Party. So the last thing we need, people, is to actually be training our guns on each other. Like every single one of these elections is the most important election. So I don't know, like, like, kumbaya, motherf-. like this, like this shit is real. Like people are losing their livelihoods, like like, like defaulting on credit card and, and loan payments, can't rent a house. They're letting in God only knows who by the month into this country. Like, what the hell are we doing? Like, you know, it's, I mean, settle these scores. Like, don't they can you can DM right?
0: Like, you can get on the phone. Well, I I mean, I guess you could, but I I think what people <laughs> are dealing with too is, and I I wonder the same thing. Stephen A. Smith. You know, he, he commented about Megan Kelly, who got on social media to, you know, right when the song, the black national anthem was, you know, uh, being sung during this, the Super Bowl, And then she jumps on and she, yeah. she tweets that out. And I guess so he's sort of like, you know, could, could, could we not just, could you not even just try to understand, sure. um, could, could maybe you just find a way to stomach it? Yeah. And then you've got <laughs> you know, he you know, he said black, you know, black people have been stomaching a lot of things. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that in, in a moment, but I think when you got Pastor Daryl Scott, you've got some of these others, Sonny Johnson who's saying things. I I think there are people who are who are feeling like you're not only are your comments over the top and ridiculous, but you're a hindrance to the movement that is taking place. Now you're saying that you think that, that Donald Trump can stand on his own and he can you can see past that, but listen. I already believe in the principles of conservatism, and they getting on my nerves. Yeah, (laughs) so I'm imagining people who are outside the tent trying to come in, and I just think there's such friction. I feel uh, Jerome that we have gone so far far backwards. There's such a division. Interesting. It's it's
1: two different things. I think in my mind, it's two different things, right? Like if you're that middle-class Black family that, again, remembers, I mean, I, I just remember researching my book on Trump's presidency and it was um, it was Pew Research. I asked the question for 50 years, how do you view your life? 90% highest ever said positively. I think the number was at 48 or something like that just a few weeks ago under Biden uh, is like, if you are that white, black, Hispanic family, and you find yourself struggling and as soon as you catch a break, you get your kids into the school you wanted them to get into um, you know, the damn inflation report comes out and you realize you got to pay more for eggs and bacon again. And gas just went up 40 damn cents in this County. I don't even know why. Um, like the squabbles that are happening over here even if both people we want to concede have good points on both sides i just feel like it's just becoming harder and harder day to day for people to thrive true and yeah. the closer that people get to feeling like it's hard for them to survive like like donald trump is just always been a no nonsense cut through the crazy Mm -hmm. beacon, like magnet for people. Uh, um, Again, like the energy being spent bickering over a 100 year old song that meant a lot to a lot of people for a very good reason Mm -hmm. for generations. The NFL wants to do it. I mean, the NFL multi-billion dollar corporation um, and it moves like a multi-billion dollar corporation that is about world expansion. So, um, like, I, I I, would like us to have one country, one anthem. I'm, I'm just that type of person. I, I don't know if at the end of the day, though, like, it really matters to most people. Or if, you know, when people go into the voting booth on November 8th, like, if they'll remember what Stephen A. Smith said in response to what Megan Kelly said, you know, about, about, you know what I mean? Um, in the moment, like, it's awfully embarrassing. It's definitely not a good look. And that's what, I guess, confuses and pisses me off about it. It's like, what are we doing? But again, I go back to, like, we've had it so good in this country, despite the evils of the Democratic Party, We've had it so good in this country that this is how our political discourse exists. Like we we just attack great men, imperfect men, but great men who did great things to advance the cause of freedom in this country It's just like, you know, Black History Month could exist. It could not exist. But those those same people who Donald Trump is making promises to, like he's trying to fight for them. right? Right. Like like. I I would I would like for us to just be at a place where we could truly be colorblind and acknowledge great things that happened, and these are the people that did it, and and, and these see, are the circumstances that they did it under. Right. Um, but I don't see, know. This, this right. is
0: where we differ too, because I I, I yeah. listened back to our conversation uh, eight years ago, and I didn't disagree with you at the time. But the more I think about it, I I don't I'm not interested in a colorblind society. Yeah. I mean, I I think. I'm I'm I think what Dr. King said for for Kirk, who was saying, well, this is what Dr. King wanted. And he said, I I I want to live, I want my children to live in a world where they're not judged by the color of their skin. Sure. Now, but but I think there's beauty in acknowledging differences. God created us that way. Yeah. And so oh. colorblind in terms of you know who gets what benefit, <laughs> yeah. colorblind. Yeah. You know, but I'm not. I'm really not interested in a colorblind society, and for that reason, I don't have a problem with Black History Month. Yeah. Um, I mean, I if I choose not to celebrate it, that's me. But I don't have a problem with somebody else doing. You know, do, do yeah. what you do.
1: You I know guess, I guess. Like, I I don't think we disagree much at all. Like, I I don't I don't like to celebrate Valentine's Day and when I say that or when people say happy Valentine's Day and they catch me making a face they're like oh you don't you don't you don't want to celebrate it and I'm like well I just don't know if there should be a day dedicated you know specifically to love it it does sort of diminish the other 364 days of, I, see, I think
0: it enhances it
1: well see that's that I I guess that's where we disagree like yeah. Like, I don't you know, because you know, I, I I we got a month, you know, it's just I I don't know. Like I don't know if I care that much. I hear you. You know I what I mean? You. Because for years, like I've just volunteered and I just so happened to 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 mentor, if you will, a lot of young black boys. You know what I mean? Like And so I talk about this history, but it's there's so much of it. I I just, you know, I I don't know.
0: Well, it's it's too much. Black history is too much for one month. But I look at it this way: I'm a Christian. Right. I I don't wait till December 25th to celebrate Christ, but that doesn't mean I can't celebrate. Some people do though. (laughs) <laughs> well, you no, know, I mean some people do, and the same thing with Black History. I guess so. Yeah. Someone say a little bit is better than none at all, right? right? But ultimately, even as if you have a child, you celebrate their birth. You celebrate them all year, but you can also celebrate their birthday. It's okay. And so Over. I guess I'm thinking conservatives, especially white conservatives with the platform. I'm thinking this: if you don't like it, if you don't understand the need for it, then just keep it moving. I-
1: I, I I guess, like, if I was to write a history curriculum and, you know, I would probably focus then on, I just make it, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be very educational. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what day it was, but in 1944, the Supreme Court ruled that the Democratic Party could no longer have white-only primaries, right? Mm-hmm. And so, one, the february 1st that would be the lesson right it was like here's what the democratic party was doing if you were not white you couldn't run for office Mm -hmm. in that racist ass party you know what i mean i I don't know it's like maybe see i i know so much about history i've been very unimpressed with with like the infomercials and you know i think i watch fox sports and they'll like celebrate somebody and every now and then it'll be person who did something amazing despite horrific uh environment that I'd never heard of before but yeah I, mean, yeah, I don't well, know, like she's like, you, like you're why well- the King Jr. what what Booker T Washington I is like a my Mount Rushmore I mean MLK barely makes it in I mean you know it's Douglas yeah. Look <laughs> at you! know what I mean. Yeah, but, no. but, but, I, but I'm also leaving somebody off. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: ab- absolutely. I guess my point being, if I'm looking at it, for I mean, I can have my personal opinion about what they think. Yeah. But I mean, if I'm looking at it for a from a politically advantageous position, I, I got to wonder about these people, like you said, who have so much that we could be talking about. And I'm not saying they don't deal with other things because they do, but that they would take this time. And yeah. and then they sort of come across as people who are speaking on behalf of Trump about so many things. I just, sure. I, what Trump has done, I, which I'm going to get to because you, you mentioned your book, one of your books in particular, but I'm thinking Trump is not going along with what you guys are saying.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, he, he's, he's like not, the ultimate big tent president. Okay. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. He's not going to be saying, you know, he's very close to Alveda King. He's yeah. not going to be dogging Martin Luther King. He's not going to be dogging Black History Month. He might be saying, why don't y'all just be quiet? Because we're trying to win elections here. We're it's not. Just, gonna-
1: it's just, it's just lame. It's just lame. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had a conversation about Sonny Johnson <laughs> going after Charlie Kirk and, mm-hmm. you know, and I looked at it and I'm just like, again, we are running out of time, you know, yeah. And, and, yeah. and maybe we've already run out of exits, right? Like maybe we've reached the the tipping point, but I mean, the, the opportunity, like, like Charlemagne to God calls Donald Trump a threat to democracy, mm. but that, 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 that dude with the you know the he's a co-host of the number 1 urban radio program in america um tv shows hosting stuff him also calling biden uninspiring and 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 not really having done much that he could point to specifically to it, it, yeah. improve the lives of black people who voted for him mm-hmm. uh even after joe biden insulted them saying that if you don't vote for me then you're not black I mean, Charlemagne the God having that voice, and and seemingly, you know, having a, a more constructive criticism of Joe Biden and Democrats. I mean, that's that's what the takeaway should be. Like, I mean, I I, I, they, I don't get it. I don't understand why these these personalities with these massive platforms who happen to be white boys are doing this. Like, I just it's not savvy it's pretty lame um you know yeah. and it, it, the personal stuff is just like what are we doing we, we don't have time for this shit man <laughs> like you people know, are crazy and they're on the rest it's day. mildly
0: it's mildly entertaining um for sure but yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway um going back to the super bowl though i think i heard you say that you're in favor of obviously one anthem one national anthem I wanted to share, and maybe this is majoring on minors here, but it's yeah. it's it goes along with with what we're talking about. Um, you're a part of Project 21.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, tell me a little bit before I read a few things from amb- ambassadors of Project 21. Tell tell us a little bit about what that is. You no, know, the,
1: the the National Center has this project. It's uh, Black conservatives all across the country. Um, we're usually authors, journalists, public speakers, radio hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just a network of mm-hmm. black conservatives. And um, you know, whenever there is a political issue hotly debated, mm-hmm. um, particularly if it's our exp- expertise, um, then we'll we'll be called upon to argue f- the conservative cause. Mm-hmm. Uh it's 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 been a lot of fun let, met a lot of great um people through it um and i i think we've actually you know helped advance um the ideas uh particularly um you know around this climate change push mm-hmm. disproportionately hurts black people energy costs you name it anyway um yeah yeah
0: Okay, well, two days before the Super Bowl, uh I see three members here on the uh on the website for Project 21, they weighed in on the whole Black National Anthem yeah. debate. And so I just want to
1: debate over the black <laughs> yeah,
0: I want to take a look
1: Yeah.
0: at Okay. So here we go. Um it was on February 9th and black um the Super Bowl was on the 11th. So black conservatives lift every voice and sing should never replace the national anthem. But here we have someone named Michael Austin, mm-hmm. an ambassador, and he said lift every voice and sing once served as a reminder to former slaves to show gratitude and faith to God for their freedom, but its inclusion in the Super Bowl uh, 120 years later is less of a strategic move, and more of a desperate Hail Mary to exploitation. The NFL is shamelessly following the leftist playbook, shaming Americans for crimes they didn't commit and victimizing Americans for injustices they never suffered. It's a divisive play where the only trophy hoisted will be an award of resentment and division instead of a celebration of America and a thrilling game we deserve to see. I'm going to ask you in a moment to, to weigh in on on all this. Then you have AK, uh, uh, forgive me if I'm saying his name wrong, uh. Kamara. The NFL has once again bowed to the pressure of Marxist racial identitarians. The Black National Anthem will be performed by Andrew Day during the Super Bowl 58 pregame game uh, broadcast. Lift Every Voice and Sing is a spiritually deep and powerful hymnal song, full stop. It is not the Black National Anthem. Nations have national anthems, whereas ethnic and racial groups do not. Performing this song as the Black National Anthem destroys the true beauty, meaning, and power of the song. The Black National Anthem narrative foments racial divides and animosity. Maybe every person opposed to this divisive racial narrative should start taking the knee anytime Lift Every Voice <laughs> and Sing is performed under the banner of the Black National Anthem. Now that's not a half bad idea. And then Marquita Bushrod said, As long as the intent is pure, I am all for the NFL's decision to have the "Hand Lift Every Voice and Sing, also known as the Black National Anthem, be sung at the Super Bowl. While no anthem can or should ever replace the National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing is an important song in the history of Black Americans that is a prayer to God of thanksgiving and freedom. The song is not performed during the game, nor is it replacing the National Anthem. Rather, it will be sung during the pregame, which is appropriate during Black History Month. The national anthem will still have its rightful place immediately prior to kickoff, which is customary. For this reason, I see no issue with the song being performed. America needs all the prayers it can get as we are fighting for our freedom every day. Bringing this song to the NFL's biggest game of the year is a win-win in my book. So here you have two people who are saying, let it roll, let it go, uh-huh. let me go for it. And one who feels strongly otherwise. So either you will tie this thing here or you will tip it even more. What say you, what
1: I, say you? I agree, with, I agree with them both. That's the worst answer ever. No, Marquita's right. But the problem is, is that, and I touched on this earlier, the NFL is a multi-billion dollar, multinational corporation. They don't, I. I'm sure people work in New York City, in their headquarters, care about the history of America and why that song was written and why it was dedicated and what it actually meant 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But most people who are hearing that song probably didn't go to church, or if they did go to church, Mm -hmm. perhaps their churches didn't sing it. And so maybe, I'm just saying, a lot of people weren't actually exposed to the rich and beautiful history of the song. The first time they actually get a whiff of the context around it, yes. is in response to it because people are calling it the Black national anthem. And if you're black and you say served in the military, or you swore an o- an oath as a police officer in your community, you hear black national anthem, and it's like, "Damn, I'm just trying to rise the ranks of the of the military or am I police force?" and like i don't even really need all these damn reminders about me being black and my blackness and the history of blacks and stuff it's like but that's and and that could just be lazy colloquialism and and stuff like that but that's that's kind of my my main point it's like our discourse is so dumbed down is that we we can't have both not responsibly we can't, yeah. we can't have you know lift every voice and sing be sung and it just be incredibly moving and spiritual as it was always intended. Uh, and 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 we do that sort of in a prudent and an accountable way, and that be it.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. And
1: we we have to pick yeah. at the scabs that the left left us with in the in, in the form of scars, um, because that's did how it went. Did you grow up
0: singing this song?
1: In my church, second Arnold Baptist okay. Church.
0: okay so and i mean
1: like we got the lyrics and we got the history of it okay right yeah no
0: now i i did i did a video after this because um after all the hoopla a few days ago and this is what surprises me now i made it clear i do not we have one national anthem yeah i am not in favor of this being sung at the at these you know where it's customary to sing the national anthem but (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, where have these people been? There are literally people who act like, and they haven't, like they've never heard the song before. Like someone just sung the song. I said, it's, I mean, these songs are sung in churches, at events, at graduations. I sang it my first year teaching to my students, white and black, they loved it. The words are absolutely beautiful. It is about overcoming, it's about having overcome It's beautiful. So I said, you know what? For those of you who who don't do your homework, here are the words. And I mean all of them. Yeah. How beautiful.
2: Amen. Uh... Stoney the road
0: Take Jerome, and you can tell me I'm wrong. I, I don't think most of America sits around consuming news and politics like we do. Thankfully, so for many of them, they're not there. I've never looked at this song, even though we called it the Negro National Anthem, now the Black National. I never looked at this song as replacing the National Anthem. It sure. was every voice is saying, Yeah, it was the Negro National Anthem. You hear it all over the place. Most Americans. They're not looking at this at the game as replacing anything. All they know is I sing it here, I sing it here, here's another place we're singing the song. Yeah.
1: And yet we're using it's just the NFL became highly politicized the last time in 2016 with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee during the Star Spangled Banner. And so that was less than a decade ago, you know, and sports have always been a vehicle for advancing one political agenda or a movement or another and and that in the in the backdrop of that you know we've had the George Floyd riots we've had Black Lives Matter and if you were against that then you were automatically racist without question you know yeah. and and so I, that's what I'm saying like we can't there we can't really have a duality not the entire body politic you know it's just it's Will we get
0: be. back to that point? Will we ever be able? Not with Charlie Kirk and Matt Walsh doing stuff they're doing. I don't that see may, it.
1: that may not help. That may not you know help. I'm saying
0: like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't. I don't want this at the national at the at a sporting event either. Yeah. And I think part in part is because people are they don't really care about black people. You they're have
1: you have. Standard. I don't know how large. I don't know how large the viewership. The people who just show up to watch the game who don't care about any of the preamble including this the the star spangled banner Mm -hmm. um the flying of the flag like there are people who just want to watch the baseball game just want to watch the football game the hockey match Mm -hmm. the soccer game and they don't care about any of it and so you know if they feel if they see this big debate on the rise you know they're if they chime in, it's because they're pissed that they have to see anything at all. Black, negro
0: play American ball, right? Whatever. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> they just want to play ball. I well, gotta say, I gotta say, boy, uh, that stance is uh, is very tantalizing <laughs> every day. It's just like it's a it's a good country. It would be a yeah. lot better if Demo- if fewer Democrats were in elected office
0: yes yeah everything else yeah well (laughs) speaking of that speaking of that though somebody might want to say something to representative matt gates who found it necessary to put out that he was not going to he told his wife we are not watching the super bowl this year because oh because they are going to be
1: performing do we uh, do we think do we think matt gates was gonna watch the super bowl anyway well yeah he doesn't
0: yeah maybe not maybe maybe not at all but anyway let's Let's get back to, to Trump because you did yeah. you did write uh you wrote one book that's called 50 Things They Don't Want You To Know. I've already shared that with the audience. And then you wrote 50 Things They Don't Want You To Know About Trump. Yeah. And we talked about Trump already, but I want you to just give us a couple things that they don't want who who's they first of all what are <laughs> just a couple things and and then why don't they want us to know
1: they um, yeah I, they are definitely the people who control um any any form of lever of power that puts them in the majority right so um you know the overwhelming majority of the decision makers in the entertainment business, whether it's film and, and television, country, rap, rock, they they tend to be liberals, and they tend, mm-hmm. if they vote, to vote for Democrats. The same could be said with people who start and then grow what eventually become large tech companies. Um, the same could be said in media. Um, the leaders of ABC, NBC, Universal, um, you know, ESPN, Disney, they tend to be liberal. They mm-hmm. tend to support Democratic part- Party politicians and policies. In my Trump book, my first book sold a lot of books. Mm-hmm. And my editor and all of his bosses were very happy, as was I. And I was I was shocked and surprised. And so my editor said, do you think you can do another one of these about Trump? Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not sure because he had just, Trump had just finished two years of his term. Mm -hmm. And so I was researching the 50 things they don't want you to know about Trump during his third year and into his fourth. And um, it turned out to be great. I learned so much and people tell me all the time. I literally had students at the YAF conference in Orlando. One in particular came up to me with the Trump book, all marked up and footnotes yeah. and it was, it was incredible. Um, I mean, I, I touched on the 10 year funding package that Donald Trump signed with about 100 of the HBCU presidencies in the Oval Office. And the biggest story out of that was Kellyanne Conway putting her feet up on the couch. That's how the media that's yeah. how the media reported yeah. on this monumentous historical thing that no other president had done for black colleges and universities before Trump did it. Um, I talked about—I don't even remember what chapter it is. It's—it's it's an economic chapter, but I was talking about um, you know how so many new firms started under Trump and you know it it just belied all of the vicious smears you know so many people said that if he was elected the stock market would crash it did nothing of the sort in fact it did the exact opposite but um his economic policies benefited black women who vote the least for republicans and certainly for donald trump it benefited them the most if they were starting a new business in 2018 and 2019 um I mean, Donald Trump brought peace to the Middle East, largely through the Abraham Accords. And it was it was one of those things where like we we're around the same age. Like I just remember growing up, you know, that phrase peace in the Middle East being ubiquitous yeah. on yeah. nightly news. And here you have a man um, you know, shepherding agreements between Arab countries and Israel. And, you know, Breitbart yeah. was the biggest <laughs> media outlet. Um reporting on it. Um, you know, the- the so who's, world...
0: taking, who's taking copies of these books and handing them out in these, in these well, communities?
1: People do, <laughs> people do you tell people. When it came out, so both books came out paperback, so they were re- relatively cheap. Yeah. And, um, you know, people still tweet photos of just like, they don't buy one, they buy five. Good, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's aging well. And I really, really do appreciate you um, mentioning it and, and promoting it because it was not me on an island just writing a book. I leaned on a lot of our colleagues at Breitbart mm-hmm. um, for their expertise and their brilliance in a lot of fields, especially the Trump book, because I I keep an ear to politics because I cover the intersection of entertainment and politics, but I don't really know what's happening on the ground in India or China or London, right. like you know, Francis Martell or John yes. would do, for example. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's,
0: that's good. Now, uh, another one coming?
1: Uh, okay. I've been working on a third one for okay. a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, you know, it's 50 things. I've got about 30 of them. Okay. Um, And early reaction is quite off the charts. Good, yeah. And um, yeah, it's a blessing. Mm -hmm. Very grueling. Um, Oh
0: yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) But you know, I liked I like to be the sunlight Mm in in being the best disinfectant. And uh, you know, there's just so much stuff out there um, that I think is intentionally hidden. Mm-hmm. Um from people and I, I I like giving people the feeling that I got when I realized so much about yeah. the history of this great country that I had not been turned on to. So mm-hmm. it's what uh it's what drives me all the long nights and the missed meals yeah. and the Yeah, yeah. The oh, good.
0: <laughs> As we wrap up though, um I'd like to ask you for a prediction. Okay. Twenty twenty. What do you? What do you put on your? <laughs> I don't know, under that hat, and it must of be of all the
1: like <laughs> of all hat. the radio. Like I hosted a Breitbart News daily Thursday and Friday. You know, mm. I get callers, right? Mm. I just I did a and A for like forty minutes a week ago. No one ever asked me for like this. I'm never put on the spot, and I'm always amazed how. I dodged questions. Uh-huh. Go on the record publicly.
0: Yeah, um, prognosticator's hat. You're wearing it, so
1: so it doesn't look good on me. Uh, <laughs> so, Trump or Biden? Um, I, I mean, mean
0: I, we're 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 assuming Trump's going to be the nominee, right?
1: Well, yeah, he'll be the nominee. So will Biden, even after the the, the DNC convention in Chicago. Um, and you know, I think Trump wins. And I don't know if it's gonna be close, you know. Mm-hmm. I and, and in fact, I think he'll I think he'll repeat sixteen where like he, I don't know if he'll win Wisconsin mm-hmm. in November, but I think he wins the rest of the Rust Belt, mm-hmm. um, Michigan, um, Pennsylvania. I I think he actually wins Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I I think it I think when the dust settled settles um it'll be I'm not saying people will say blowout but mm-hmm. given that the left is going it's already I mean you know they he's fighting in four different courts you know yeah um yeah. given all of the fighting that he will have to do um you know, I, I think it'll be kind of impressive in that context.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we, we certainly will see uh, how that, how that shakes out. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't,
1: don't share this episode with
0: anyone. Well, you know, I, he's got so much coming at him. God yeah. bless him for being willing to stand and fight after they're trying to bankrupt him and the lawfare that's going on. All right, Jerome, I appreciate you. You're such a, a wealth of, of uh personality as well as insight. And you've done so much and I want mm-hmm. people to be able to keep up with you. So, so give us the, the full gamut there. How can people follow Jerome Hudson?
1: Um, okay. At Jerome E. Hudson. That's both my Twitter and my Instagram and um, just really the best way to get in contact me, with me, especially Instagram because people DM me all the time. Uh, it's fun. I love it. Mm-hmm. And this was fun. Thank you so much.
0: Yes, and um, I want to make sure that I put your book links in the show notes as well, and okay. where they can follow your writing on Breitbart as well, Mister Entertainer. Entertainer. I, don't
1: really, I don't really write that much, uh, which is always sort of a demon that I wrestle I wrestle with, but um, yeah. Well, you're writing books, so <laughs> well I. I have a I have a lot of I have a lot to say. So I'm yes. gonna... well. I'm, more.
0: I'm glad you do because that that gave you a purpose a per perfect opportunity <laughs> to be here on the show. So you could say it right yeah. here. All right, sir. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. I'm very thankful to have had the opportunity to speak with Jerome Hudson, entertainment editor at Breitbart News Network. But as you can see, his experience is far. And wide. And I will be putting in the show notes information where you can follow him, where you can check out his books. And uh so be sure to, to look for that as well. Now, as we wrap up, you know I have to remind you to go to my Substack. That's adrianross.substack.com, where you can follow my writing and where you can also check out my podcast. If you're watching on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and and make sure you get notifications for when something drops. And then also be sure that you share with other people, like, comment, all the good stuff. You can do that as well over on Substack. And then you can also subscribe on podcast platforms. Also, be sure to go to the BMG Network. That is the bmgnetwork.com and check out the other podcasters there. We are engaging, enlightening, informative, and yes, entertaining. I appreciate your support. God bless you, Monday.